0: Locking in the free world, Monday, NAV 21st. I just like saying na- Novi NAV, I mean, it's all good. Guy Adami here, Dan Nathan there, In a brief few minutes, Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. Today's market call brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow. The New York Jets were not powered by anything yesterday other than their defense, and now listening to Jet fans whine, oh, they missed a call, they missed a call. You know what, people? Stop it. You got embarrassed once again in New England, 14 in a row. That's seven years you playing our home games. How are you, Dan?
1: I'm doing well, guy. I mean, it seems like what 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 did they tune into the fan this morning? Is that what's going no, on? No, no, but on I just, Call? you know, it's like they whine and they oh. it, but it's interesting that you didn't even mention the your seven and three. Oh, Giants, Giants got but, Giants got
0: beat. Yeah. Both sides of the football yeah, offensive line got beat. Their defensive line, which is the strength of the team, got beat. Yeah. Lions under Dan Campbell, who was a giant, by the way. Playing yeah. some decent football. That's a young, exciting football team. They'll find a quarterback at
1: some point. The defense is getting better each week. Yeah. All right. Let's say, you know, so a couple I things know. that are not getting better each week. Um, and 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 it really is some of the most speculative stuff on the mm-hmm. market, guy. I mean, we were talking about it before we came on. I mean, it really feels like on a day like today, it really feels like some of the stuff that people were most excited about a year ago right is really like looks like it wants to close on the lows and when you think about charts and we do a lot of charts here we're gonna have carter talking about charts a lot of things are like literally in the opposite corner of the chart of where they started the year and going lower and i'm just gonna name them here i mean look what's going on in crypto and related equities here look what's going on in SPACs. look what's going on in meme stocks then look at the the meme stock of them all you know tesla is down more than five percent today this stock is being used as a proxy for Elon Musk right now. It's Mm -hmm. being used as a proxy for what's going on with Twitter. And if I'm a Tesla shareholder, I'm absolutely rip shit, man. And so I actually think there's other shoes to drop here. But just look at this thing, guy. It's it's kind of moved into the zone. And one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight this area here is that on November, I think it was like November 15th of 2020, so that two-year chart, two years ago, the S&P announced that Tesla was going to be going into the S&P 500 index. This is even before it happened, the stock nearly doubled over the next month and a half or so. And so that's why I think round-tripping to that 140 level from November of 2020, when that announcement was made, I think that's likely to happen. And again, you and I have been talking about this. Carter's been talking about it ad nauseum. This is one of the worst looking charts in the market that's down nearly 60% 60 from its all-time highs a year ago. We've tried to do a decent, well, we've tried to do a good job. And I think subsequently, we've done
0: a decent job navigating. The first time we said, listen, Tesla should trade down to 175 and bounce. It actually did exactly that, traded down to 175 and changed bounced close to $200. And then we said, it's probably going to then test 175. This time, it's not going to hold. And a real support level comes in probably around 150 or so. I think your line is actually lower than that. But here we are. So you say what you want about Tesla, but stock has not been trading particularly well. And it's now down probably what, close to 60% or so from its all-time high. So that's finding its way into A lot of these other stocks have been taken out to the woodshed A stock that where valuation didn't matter to anybody seemingly matters now. So, you know, I think Tesla under pressure and you've mentioned this before and I agree with it. I think this is a important overall market sentiment stock. And obviously with this trading the way it is doesn't augur particularly well i don't think for the broader market
1: yeah and and again i mean this is like the biggest meme stock that's ever existed it had over a trillion dollar market cap you know a year ago and i think again it's being used as a proxy for multiple different things the cult of personality it's a term that you used really well in our podcast on the tape um last week a little bit but think about this i mean you know we're seeing things get unwound here in the crypto space with some really big personalities and i think tesla is actually reflecting that for the musk universe right now, another part of that you can't talk about Musk and Tesla without talking about ARC. And look at this thing, man. It is literally listing here. If you look at some of those top holdings, Tesla's now number two. Zoom, we're going to talk about in a few minutes, guy. They report um after the close tonight. I mean, look at these stocks that make up this ETF. And again, why is this important? Take out those lows from 2020, those pandemic lows. This thing's in a free fall here. And obviously, one of her biggest holdings in this thing is also Coinbase. So mm-hmm. again, why why are we talking about all these? Because the speculative stuff, the air is coming out right now.
0: There's a good line: "Arc going thirty thousand leagues under the red sea." I love that Jules Verne shit. By the way, I, I I read the books as well from time to time. Dan, now and listen, we're not picking on Kathy Wood, and you know this is an ETF, so they are subject to people getting out of their ETF and. You know, the most innovative thing about the the ARK ETF, and I've said this on Fast Money a number of times, was when they created the inverse ARK ETF because they top-ticked it. And say what you want about Michael Burry, who I think it was last summer, so about 16 or so months ago, if not longer – pointed out that one of his favorite shorts was exactly that, the ARC ETF, and then yeah. subsequently Tesla as well. He basically nailed that one.
1: Well, it's interesting. David Wilson in the comments saying, what about celebrating a new car company that beat the odds? Well, they did beat the odds. They, they got to a point where they're making and selling a million um, you know cars a year, which again, is a monumental feat. But, but what's going on in the stock market right now is saying that there's risk to actually Elon Musk running this company. You know, for him to buy Twitter... He He had to sell a lot of his Tesla stock. He probably had to margin a bunch of it. He had to take on a bunch of personal debt to the tune of nearly $13 billion. So, what do you think happens if Tesla starts missing their numbers? If we have a recession, okay, this company starts mis executing because their CEO is focused on tweeting memes all day, okay, on Twitter, okay? So, that's the point. That's why Tesla is important here. And again, if you want to start celebrating this company because of what they've been able to do over the last 10 years, that's fine, but it doesn't really feel like it's something that's investable at the moment. Another thing, Guy, that doesn't feel particularly investable is Coinbase. Um, You know, you think about this, our friend, um, you know, he's the Wall Street cynic on Twitter, um, but Jim Chanos, um, he's been short this thing for a while. He's been very mm-hmm. public about it. He's thought they've had a whole host of issues here. I just drew some lines on this chart, man. I mean, this thing's about to make a new all-time low. And the fear guy right now is really contagion, right? It's FTX to Binance to Coinbase.
0: I don't think it's over by any stretch. I mean, again, if people want to say it's contained. It's always contained until it's not. And I think it's probably somewhat farther reaching that people want to admit or or willing to recognize. And in terms of Coinbase, you know, I love Gene Munster. I mean, he talks about it all the time. And he mentioned Coinbase as potentially being the bank of the metaverse. And that was a while ago. And that might come to fruition. But, you know, the metaverse is at least 10 years away, if not longer. So by definition, it's probably going to take Coinbase about that time to sort of get its sea legs. And there's no real compelling reason, in my opinion, to be in this name and Jim channels has been right. And he'll continue to be right. This is pretty critical support, but it doesn't feel particularly good here. And, you know, I guess the way you trade this, you know, maybe if you want to play the breakout through that downtrend line, but, but, I think the more reasonable assertion is it's going to break support in near future.
1: Yeah, it's pretty interesting guy. You know, here's an $8 billion enterprise value. So nine and a half billion um, in market cap, 5 billion in in cash and about 3.7 in debt. And I guess the question is, is that they have a huge burn. So, um, you know, if they have to start firing employees that will take the, um, you know, their cost structure down a little bit, but who knows, you know, what, what, you know, what's up with the USDC? That's their stable coin, right? What's Mm -hmm. up with Um, you know, related party transactions with other, you know, grayscale. This is another one you keep hearing people talk about. This is just, again, this is something that you and I are not going to be able to figure out what's going on here, but we've been around markets long enough to realize that they just don't, you just don't uncover one fraud like this FTX and this FDF thing. There's a lot of other stuff that's going to go on here and let's just hope it doesn't find its way um, into the regular markets. But when I look at the market today, all the markets today, guy, I see Um, just risk aversion. I see, again, all of the stuff that was the most speculative stuff a year and a year and a half ago trading really horribly. And that's the sort of price action that has the ability to move into the major indices, which could be a really good opportunity to bring in our main man here.
0: I love Carter Braxton Let's bring him in uh, CB dubs. You've heard what we said. Obviously this is a holiday shortened week. Um, so weird things can happen typically on these weeks. You have low volume markets typically levitate, not happening yet. What are your thoughts here? Does that hold any credence water whatsoever?
2: There are stats on this. I mean, it's not really statistics, it's data mining. Um, holiday shortened weeks in particular Thanksgiving week is quite often positive which is to say big money's away and the you know people move things when the illiquidity is there but the, the overarching theme is that the market's um picture that is the S&P 500 Tells one thing, but the underlying constituents, the components, mm-hmm. the arrangement of the parts says something different, right? And that we've we've had a lot of heavy lifting from big sort of old-fashioned names, whether it's Honeywell or DuPont, uh, whether it's big banks like J.P. Morgan up thirty uh, or Goldman Sachs up forty percent off its low, that have allowed or permitted or kept the market from really sinking. But the internals are are not good, uh, at least by my work and. What we know also is this, it is a 100% consensus view that we are going to trade up to a moving average the 200-day moving, all the world's become a technician. We're going to 4,100 in some number, perfect like that. Listen, when everyone believes something, it's not likely to happen. Either we're going to overshoot that and go to 4,400, or we're never going to get there. We're sinking to the lows. But just that it's going to go right there. Charts are perfect. We're all technicians now, and then it's going to fail. It doesn't work like that.
1: Carter, what do you make of just, just some of the commentary you heard from us when we we're talking about, again, I mean, the list goes on. It's crypto. It's meme stocks. It's exactly. um, unprofitable recent tech stocks. I mean, the list is going on and on here. The price action is really bad.
2: It, it is bad. And also, again, what I would say is a part of the what's bad about it is that you've had what I was just referring to is these heavy moves that the capital that's come out of these other things has gone back into the market in the form of DuPont. Think about DuPont is one of the oldest companies that were selling gunpowder in the Revolutionary War. And for it to be up 30 and 40%, along with others that I mentioned, whether it's Boeing or GE, um, they're not in a better position now, they're worse. So you have two sort of areas. You've got things that are sick and getting sicker, that's Tesla. And then you've got huge ricochets which now, despite the fact that someone made that money and one could say, well, thanks Carter, why didn't you call for those bounces?" It's not about that. Now that the bounces have happened, these stocks are not in a good position. They're actually positioned to either pull back or give back a lot of what they've done so that the market's construction is actually worse. Those heavy lifters have prevented the market from going down as the sick have gotten sicker. Tesla's getting sicker, ARK's getting sicker. Is getting sicker. And now, if and as those DuPonts and Goldmans and and Boeings give back, the whole thing then goes lower, SPX lower.
0: Let's take a look at the heavy lifters the Apples, the Microsofts, the Googles, the Amazons, and the Teslas. You brought in, you know, you always bring great charts, but I love when you do stuff like this because a picture, as they say, is worth a thousand words. And what this tells me is those stocks are starting now to underperform. What does it all mean?
2: That's right. And so the the key here is we all know that equities in aggregate, both the United States and globally, have a June low. And we know that almost all equities rally from June to August of two months, not the Zooms and DocuSigns, but everything else. And then everything goes down to the October low and basically has held broke or come back above, but not the big ones. And so this basket is about 19 percent of uh, the S&P 500, these five. And it represents about uh, nine trillion, uh, or or thereabouts. And look at that divergence. Now, if we pull this back, that's a one-year chart. Look at a two-year. And so now they're kind of back in touch with one another, right? The great overshoot by the gods, and now two colors, two lines, S and P. But what we really know is that it's the relative underperformance of these big, heavy ones. And the only reason the market is not. Going lower is because of the moves in Dupont and Boeing and GE, but that looks like that's run its course. I guess is my point.
1: So Carter, let's talk about some of the individual names. Though again, you know, Apple is one guy. We were on our Fast Money call a little little bit ago, and he said it acted like a four letter word today, which shit. I think okay, shit. But, which which I think is pretty interesting. But you know, that stock is only down sixteen percent on the year. You know, we know that with you know, Google's down thirty three percent, Facebook's down sixty seven percent, Amazon's down forty five percent after a big rally rally. Um, you know, Google's down, uh, or, you know, you know, you get the point. I mean, Microsoft's down 27. This one, you know, we've focused a lot on Apple, A, because it's the largest market cap company in the world. And it seems to be one that has shown good relative strength for the better part of this year It's had this nice little rally here. But if all the things, all the reasons, you know, the macro are weighing on equity valuations at some point, doesn't this one have to kind of retest those lows from the summer?
2: I um, mean, obviously it doesn't have to, but I'm, I, I get your sentiment and I'm with you, meaning in and of itself, it's a pair of twos, right? I mean, if you didn't say apple in there and you just got a surprise chart, what is this? You'd say, well, whatever it is, I'm not that interested in getting long or getting short. It's kind of stuck. But we also know that if you look at the precondition not depicted here, which was a great period of strength, which makes the chart we're looking at something else in a pair of twos, it's the beginning of a rollover right? And, that, and that's really what we've got here. And I, I think it's important to say this, that basically before COVID, right, forget about earnings per share, because that's a that's something that is reflected in shares outstanding. But I mean, Apple's net income, the actual just billions of dollars it makes, was the same in 2015 as it was in 2020. Five Price. years, no change. It was COVID, right, yeah. that allowed for the net income to double and triple. And basically that's
0: overdone. Run us through some of the charts. you brought. The, we saw the first one up, but you obviously had a few more. You've put some lines, as you like to say, the lines in fact draw themselves, although in this case, you drew them for us. Continue to speak to us about this underperformance of the big five or six names relative to the S&P. So
2: here is then now not a comparative chart, but just that basket. Again, this is about 19% of the S&P, these five. And The issue here is, of course, I mean, you could draw that as a head and shoulders. Uh, You know, it's otherwise known as a bullish to bearish reversal. But it's just how bad it is and how far below the June low. That's the issue. Whereas the S and P is, of course, above its June low. I'm not sure we have another one here. I'm, I'm not remembering. But oh yeah, there we go. So let's toggle. Right. Moving average, trend lines, moving average, trend lines. And what we've got is a clear break in trend. doesn't matter how you draw the lines. And so even if it were to recover, you know, typically, and and you see there, it tried to recover. Guess where it stopped? It touched the underside of the line to the penny and failed. And now here we are. It's just a bad situation. And one could say, well, why isn't it so bad? It's good. It just doesn't feel like that to
1: me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, Carter. As we've seen this underperformance of those major names, and again, you know, this is something I think the three of us have been suggesting for the better part of the last year. At some point, they're gonna get to these. You were calling them the generals, they shoot the generals last. Well, they've done that. That's why I brought up Apple in particular. But as money has come out of those, okay, we've seen money move to other places. And one of the consensus trades, in my opinion, and it was working until very recently, was energy stocks in particular. And you know, you mentioned um, on Market Call on numerous times, and and you have on Fast Money too, that we also have seen a big divergence between energy stocks and the underlying commodity. Talk to us a little bit about this call, because again, I was with you on crude and also the XLE here, but it seems to be today, while they were bounced a little bit midday, um, they were looking pretty nasty earlier in the morning.
2: Yeah, I guess there was some headline about maybe talks with Russia about who knows what, and crude was down, now it's uh, recovered. But this has been going on for a while, right? And more importantly, independent of a trade in crude, and it's excellent to trade crude on the NYMEX if you can, it's the shares market, right? The s 500 energy sector, the Russell 3000, 2000 small cap, mid cap energy names. The underperformance that's been in effect the past two weeks is serious business only because it's coming from a period of such epic outperformance. And I just think you want to be underweight energy. uh, And it's an important thing that's was very crowded that now is um, just not right to be there.
0: Let's take a look at the all chart thing, because you brought that along with you. I mean, again, this does, it's great to see these things with lines and those types of things. You've said for a while that the uptrend line was in play. Here we are seemingly now Have broken it. You've outlined what appears to be the potential for a head and shoulders. And if I'm correct, the measured move off of this is probably around 60 or so bucks back of the envelope.
2: I think that's right. I mean, we certainly know that the key reference point one is that we've broken below that that intermediate low of just a few weeks ago. But more importantly, we're now toying with the the autumn low of 2021, right? So that takes you into the low uh, sort of, well, low 70s. And why not?
0: Take a look at, I mean, the GSCI is something, I think it's a GSCI you have as as well. And this is at pretty critical levels. I mean, you look at this, a significant uptrend since I want to say the middle of 2019 or thereabouts um, in jeopardy. And when this is in jeopardy off a trend line of this duration, um, that speaks to potential, I mean, that's potentially problematic. Now, I think a lot of this is on the back of, you know, China concerns and those things. It doesn't really matter the reasons why. Here we are.
2: Yes. So the, the issue here, and it's, it's a serious one, is that this, while heavily weighted towards crude, is a basket of all commodities. Mm-hmm. And one... The trend line is pretty straightforward, and I've tried to highlight it by putting arrows there, but one doesn't need that. I mean, And look at the channel. That's really the more important thing. The channel is where we went nuts, right, because crude oil and the Ukraine uh, attack on Ukraine accounted for that blowing out through the top of a well-defined 45 degree angle. But now, not only are we back into it, of course, we're at the lower band, and one could say, well, why not play for a bounce? But in general, if you look at copper and you look at some other key commodities, they all are pretty heavy. I think here and now we undercut the lower band.
0: Yeah. And let's take a look at OIH if we can real quick, because we obviously we we had that huge downdraft. Now, this obviously, if you put up an OIH longer term chart, I just want to sort of walk through. We traded up to about 317 or so in June, cratered um, down to two and a quarter, bounced Cratered back down to about 215 or so, a little bit of a double bottom. This move up has been incredible. You're talking about, a, want to say, a 55% move in a month, but we traded to and seemingly have failed at the highs we saw earlier this year, spring, summer. But today, obviously, the downdraft, if this were to close positive, and it's still down almost 3%. Does that mean anything, or is this broken here, Carter, regardless
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so important how you close, of course, because uh, reversals intraday are real. And think about the sentiment that if something is especially weak and under pressure, but it fights it off, that's the entire premise of the Rocky Balboa movies. Meaning, if you take a blow and keep standing, it means that there's such underlying strength that it has to be respected. So it's why the close on any given day is very important. And a reversal after extreme weakness intraday and closing in the green is literally. Rocky Balboa stuff so while we can't know what the close is that would be a very constructive conclusion to this very unhappy session the odds of that happening though are exceedingly low that's why it becomes a good movie because
1: it, it, well, while it is it the underdog,
2: they don't really happen that often
1: Yeah, that's a fact. I mean, it it is interesting. You mentioned something with Russia. It was the, you know, the headline, it was, I guess, a story in the Wall Street Journal talking about the Saudis raising their oil output. The fact that the Saudis come out and say they're not doing that, you see the price of oil come back up. I could definitely see them doing that, Guy. Couldn't you definitely see them doing that at some point, probably after maybe the, um, you know the World Cup is over in 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 Qatar, um, but but again, I mean, if the if the market, you know, which was down a lot, this is oil and then oil stocks, which had that intraday short covering rally. If it does head back towards the lows, I'd say you keep selling rallies and and energy stocks and the underlying commodity here. So, um, again, that's an interesting one to watch. I would also mention if we want to throw up the ten year yield, given everything that we're talking about, you know, today, look where the ten year yield is. It's it's three point eight two really hasn't gotten any um anything going and i'm just curious carter your thoughts on that because once we broke four it felt like to the downside it felt like the fever kind of broke here a little bit and i'm just curious you know thoughts because you know as we get to the first week of december we're gonna have that november jobs report then we're gonna have the fed meeting and the cpi data whatever we know how explosive um you know we saw that move that one day 30 basis point move lower, right? After the CPI a week and a half ago. Um, what is this chart telling you? It's broken that steep uptrend since August. You know, three and a half seems like the next point. And then that rising 200 day, um, you know, is probably somewhere around three.
2: Right. So um, if you consider the June high at 2.5 as a reference point, and you were to draw a horizontal line along that over to the y-axis, what's also very drawable is connecting the lows of the past two years and the uptrend line that you can do that with your eye goes exactly to 2.5 as well. And so uh, I'm, I'm in the, look, I just in the camp of lower dollar, lower yields, lower oil, lower stock prices. Mm -hmm. There is a consensus. Somehow all those things add up to higher stock prices. That's true until it isn't. And uh, lower yields. Uh, and why, it doesn't have to stop at, at 3.5 at of the June. There's not a lot of reference there. It's just one reference point.
0: We have to talk about Disney, but I just want to sort of amplify that as well. I mean, ten, two's tens, I think, got north of 70 basis points inverted at one point. We've said for a while that you know there's a very real chance that two's tens go to 75 basis points, if not a percent, in the form of ish You know, three and a half percent in the 10 year, four and a quarter percent in the two year. And it's pretty remarkable. We're precariously close to that. And again, I say it all the time. I'm not an economist, but that does not uh, look particularly bullish to me in terms of what it means for the economy. Anyway, Dan, Disney is front and center. Everybody's mind. Big news over the weekend. We're going to have Tom Rogers on CNBC's Fast Money tonight to talk about this. But Bob Iger is making his return.
1: Yeah. You know, this was an interesting one. And again, you know, um, you know, I remember asking Carter on market call what he thought about, you know, kind of taking a small, long position um, into the print, thinking that you're going to have a really good shot to buy it. Okay. With an eight handle on it. Okay. So it was trading, I think at like 98 bucks or so, and you said you didn't like it. And we had that huge gap lower. I kind of bought the gap and I remember you saying, okay, well, you know, you're just kind of, you know, you're flipping a coin here a little bit. And I think without this piece of news today, it was kind of interesting. It looked like it really wanted to retest those lows. Carter, my sense, you know, is that again, while a lot of investors and and analysts and, you know, strategists or whoever are kind of happy to see Bob Ager back in. The chair here doesn't really change the technical story because it's not going to change the fundamental story for a bit. Um, And I'm just curious your thoughts when you see the pattern. I drew these lines. You could say they're good, they're bad, whatever. You know, they seem pretty simple to me here. The stock basically failed at that downtrend that's been in place uh, since the summer and now we just have to see if it fills in that entire gap and if it fills in that entire gap back this thing out five years and you really are going to start focused on will it retest those march 2020 pandemic lows
2: Right. I mean, this is a case of always where one starts the meter, right? Or where one starts the story. Like you come to a movie late, you know, you sit down, you miss the first 20 minutes. (laughs) Look, the headlines read as follows in every single news wire around the country. Disney jumps, Disney surges, Disney rockets higher. Okay. How about something more calm? Disney down 57% from its high on Friday is now down only 52% from its high. Now, that's the reality. There is no surge. There is no jump. There is no rocket. All it's done is gone back to where it was six days ago. It filled a gap. And that's that. Nothing changes. No one's a God, despite even being, I mean, is Eisner better than Iger? Iger better than I. Listen, he's not going to change the fortunes of this.
1: Just to be clear, I, I want to be clear, you know, Bob Iger did probably something that that no matter where the stock is, people are going to be talking about for a very long time. The buy of Pixar, the buy of Marvel, and the buy of Lucasfilms. And I go, Guy, you've seen the whole catalog Mm, of all three of those. It, It is really remarkable. Can you think about what this company would be like if it did not have all that IP? So I think that's amazing. You could say they underpaid for those and they overpaid for many other assets. Guy, I'm just curious, like what you think is like, I bought this stock, okay? I bought it somewhere. You know, below 90 here. I took a little off as it rallied quickly after that CPI print. Um, it did nothing to do with the fundamentals. I feel like I kind of got a got one quickly. Is this one that you want to be averaging into if it were to come back in a little bit? Does this piece of news change the story for you and uh, kind of in the intermediate term? It's hard to come back.
0: I mean, but uh, you know, he's he was the right guy for the job at the time. He was probably the right person to remain in the job. Chapek was Uh, An uninspired selection, if you read the article, and I think it was a journal over the weekend, it sort of outlines that a great deal. And he got himself in a political wrangling match with the governor of Florida, which didn't work out particularly well either. So a lot of things working against him. But I'll say this, and I think you would agree, in terms of valuation, Disney is cheap to itself historically. And I think when the world finally does get back online, and it will at some point, Disney will win to that. They've made some mistakes without question, but you can make a decent case on valuation. The last quarter was not particularly good. This next quarter is my sense is it won't be either. But this is a company that I think can get off the mat from the 85 level that we saw, I think, a couple of weeks ago, but this 96 level or so that's trading now as well.
1: All right, let's let's do let's do one thing before we get out of here. Maybe we'll get your fundamental take and Carter's technical take. Zoom reports after the close today. This is a stock that's down fifty six percent on the year. It's down a whole heck of a lot more um, from its all time highs. This thing started correcting, I think, in late twenty twenty. If you think about it, so this was the ultimate of the pull forward um, sort of stories. The line I drew is just basically, you know, that's the basically the gap level from its IPO um, a few years back, prior to the pandemic here. So, you know, you see the support. You tell me if the support's any good guy. What do you think of this thing though? Trading right now, you know, this is a company very different than many of its kind of recent tech IPO peers. They actually have real profit. So this mm-hmm. has been a profitable company when it went public. Um it's profitable now. It's just a deceleration of that profit growth and that revenue growth um, is the most important thing. Trading about 21 and a half times this year, 23 times next. I mean, is this thing one more gap away? from being interesting to you from a fundamental standpoint. This is a company expected to do $5 billion in sales next year, let's say, give or take. Um, that's got one product. So to me, when I think about the enterprise value of a company like this, and I say the utility of the product, and it is it is far better than most of the other competitors out there, I say, Guy, I don't know, could this thing be a takeout candidate if we were to have one gap lower?
0: Yeah, I think for somebody, it probably makes sense. I don't want to say it's necessarily a Microsoft, but if somebody's looking to play in that same arena, that it makes a lot of sense. And to your point, is it one gap away? Card will probably look at this and say, pair of twos, I agree. Maybe we trade up to 200-day moving average post earnings, but I think more reasonable is to think we take a look at that 70 bucks, which I believe was the latest 52-week low we made a few weeks ago. So I'd rather wait. I, trading it into earnings to me is a flip of a coin. Yeah. I'd rather look to buy it on a dump down to 70 bucks.
2: It's, it's a coin toss. I mean, I, 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 there's nothing in the pattern that would suggest it's, I'm, I'm sure the implied move is huge, of course, why wouldn't it be? But there's no, nothing that I can see that would say, hey, this is a 60-40, this is a 70-30, yeah. we've got to bet
1: short or long. So, so Peritus. You know, one of the things I just say this real quickly is that this company went public at thirty six. It opened. It was a double. Okay, when when it when it when it went public in in uh, April of two thousand and nineteen on the opening, and that's that line down there um, at seventy. They sold nearly six million shares. You ready for this? at $340 yep. in January 2021. That's why they have $5 billion in cash on their balance sheet and no debt. So this is one at a certain price, makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. It might behoove them to just kitchen sink the thing and just get all the weak hands out of there. So, all right, that's that. I appreciate it. Um, Guy Adami. Yeah, we got to pull up Nadia this Nadia? comment from JS. I love this. This just goes to show you our
0: viewers and listeners, or they think the way I do. Maybe Disney comes out with with a co branded weed will be the final sign that our society has lost. There have been a myriad of signs that our society has lost, and that absolutely been one of them. But what can I tell you? Anyway, Carter Braxtonworth, always great to have you on this holiday shortened week. That's it for Market Call. Thanks to Factset for providing us with all of the charts and data you see on this broadcast. We'll be back tomorrow. 1 p.m. By the way, Dan, I believe that EY from SoFi of the now probably playoff less Packers will be joining us as well. I got to tell you something. Her Milwaukee Bucks, although playing good basketball,
1: they've put in some stinkers as well. Maybe we'll dive into that. What do you think, Dan? I think we most likely will if you're going to be hosting the show. So tune in tomorrow for that. And Carter, thanks for sticking around here, man. Thanks for all the fine work that you do. People, you know where to find them. It's worth charting. There's nothing slick. It's just charts. What did
0: I say? What was mine that I came up with? I really like what was that? (laughs) I don't know. I'll think about it again. Maybe Amanda can put it in. Not safe for work, probably. All right. No, it was good. I really no hearts, no emoji hearts, just that's it. No emojis with hearts, just charts. I like that better. Anyway, (laughs) enjoy the rest of your day, folks. We're at 5,000.